Here we go. It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My, 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 my Michelle Live. My Michelle Live. Sports timeout. The fans, the field, the faith, the fun. Here's Michelle. Yes, I am. And yes, you are. And we are getting ready for it. So brace yourselves. It's time for sports. 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 Hut. 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 Take a breath. We're (laughs) we are here to talk sports, and there's a lot. Go the whole podcast next time if you want. I know he really can. I don't know where he has this like endless circular breathing. That's what it's called. That's what it's called. Let me introduce you to our roundtable of commentators and a guest commentator today. We have with us Garrick Payne. He is a coach. He's a pastor, and he's the former chaplain of Seattle. Sounders. Uh, He joins us today. Whoop, whoop. We have a veteran sports reporter, Rich Hallstrom. He is the 12th man, by the way, anyone listening from Seattle. Uh, He is the co-author of Thunder Sports Network. We have another author in our midst. Brent Baker is a sports writer, sports photographer, and he has a brand new Cool Beyond Cool book. And I hear it's coming in audio as well. Read by someone absolutely outstanding. I hear that's the case, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's rumored. uh, It's called Breaking Yesterday. It is a really amazing book. I had the chance to read it. And you can go to brentbaker.com for more information. We have with us... Brent R. Brent Baker. R. Baker. Thank you. Sorry yes. about that. Joshua McMillan. There is a brentbaker.com is... out there that's not mine. So. Oh, well, that could be <laughs> interesting. Remember, he's a pirate. <laughs> Joshua McMillan <laughs> is our sports authority. You can find him on Twitter at Josh Reports Live. He is also our man on the street for our My Michelle Live podcast. So we have with us a special guest. He's a, a student at Syracuse in the sports. He's a sports management department. Is there a, a department of sports management? How cool is that? This is this is really cool. Michael Corbett is with us today, but it's an interesting story of how I met Michael. So recently, I told you all, I had been in Las Vegas just to watch a game where, where there's other people around. I went with a girlfriend and we sat next to this crazy, rowdy bunch of of Massachusetts Bostonian, like, yeah, right? Like Patriot Not fans. Not surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they were, that was some of the best fun we had. They were just great people, really, really great people. Aside from being Patriot fans, they were really, really great people. Who knew? So it was like, Everybody's an, got a, something. It, it, it was like an education <laughs> and can't we all just get along, right? They were great. But when they found out, what I do, uh, one of Michael's friends that was there said, you got to meet my friend Michael. Michael and I spoke on the phone. I gave his friend my card and said, come on and join us. Michael, tell us about you and what you do. Yeah, so um, 
I'm a, I, you know, like you mentioned, uh, Syracuse University sport management student um, heading into my uh, junior year, uh, second semester, sophomore year currently. Um, and, you know, just really trying to any way I can talk sports, you know, work in sports, uh-huh. do something, just try to get my foot in the door. Uh, and this is a perfect opportunity to really talk sports with uh, some great men and women here uh, today and, and obviously get a different perspective on, um, you know, sports as a whole and uh, where the field is at right now, talk some current um, issues. You know, we have some current issues and we have some current debate topics um, on the slate today. So it's really excited to be here and uh, spend the next hour and, and learn and share. So thanks. You obviously hadn't met us yet because yeah, I know, right? some, some great men and women. <laughs> I know where that comes from. That's okay. It, it feels good for a moment. Let's see how he feels after this next hour is. Uh, yeah. Oh, man, what a Welcome, great time. Michael. Yeah, welcome. What a great time in sports, right? I mean, here we are. Uh, think of where we were last year. We were thinking that we were going to have this great year in front of us. We were thinking that the world was was going to be exciting, and then everything kind of fell apart, right? I mean, it just did. It fell no, apart. It was and, exciting, but it wasn't awesome. No, it wasn't exciting. <laughs> there was nothing exciting about it. It was so depressing, and here we are. Uh, sports has found a way and that's pretty exciting and we're looking towards our special Super Bowl um, broadcast next week. We have the NFL playoffs that I, I swear I am not rooting for any. I just have to let you guys know I'm not rooting for anyone because in the 2019, 2020, 2021 season here, you know, up until this point, no one that I rooted for. No one I was pulling for one. So I don't know. But you guys want to talk a little bit we about had a reverse psychology last week when you thought, okay, well, if I root for this team. <laughs> no, it just <laughs> didn't work. It didn't work. So I'm just going to turn it over to you guys. Let's talk the playoffs and where we're at today. Anything that stood out disappointment wise. And in the aftermath, a lot of shifting new coaching staffs and uh, players that are, that are being being shifted this is kind of an exciting time in the nfl rich uh, aaron Rodgers completely blew it now one in four in nfc championship games wow. and he's going to have a long 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 off season i hope he enjoys his uh guest host appearance as a jeopardy host it's going to come a lot <laughs> josh, earlier than he expected josh for some reasons you, you've never been an aaron Rodgers fan so last week's game you're also not oh, a tom brady justice. fan so i don't you know what what were you doing during the game yeah you know it's weird i, I find tom brady more likable than i i find aaron Rodgers. amen likable i mean aaron Rodgers is so persnickety i mean he has his uh his rivalry kind of thing that goes on with his family you know and that that whole saga the way that he talks about russell wilson and like pokes fun at his faith and uh you know i just as good as he is i have a hard time being a fan and especially like if you look at the last couple nfc championship games i mean two of them he quit in the first half you know and and this one there was a couple bad decisions he made where he kind of threw it away on second and third down and then blamed his coach for the call on fourth down and i may not agree with the fourth down call but i mean you know take some personal responsibility you had you had room to run and maybe not get the definitely but you know if you ran it on on second and third down even instead of throwing it away maybe you were at the two or three yard line you know like that, that could have been a different game there and when tom brady throws three interceptions 
and you still lose the game winning the turnover battle you played better than tom brady but you didn't win the game and you're supposed to be the best player to ever do it at your position by some accounts and you didn't get it done so that was pleasing to see from from my end being a not fan of aaron Rodgers. okay tell it like it is i think you hit on it that he doesn't really take responsibility for his actions Ooh, no. throws okay. his teammates under the bus he throws his coaching staff under the bus uh if there's a bus that he can throw someone under uh, aaron Rodgers will definitely find it he actually has a <laughs> bus sure on speed dial to call over yeah <laughs> they, they roll right up outside and that's it. great when you make that much money you can afford to do that so that's pretty cool michael let's get let's uh, get our guest host in on this yeah, well, you know, me being arguably the biggest Tom Brady fan on this uh, on the show right now, I, I have a little bit of a That's not bias. hard. That's not hard to be. But, we, have, we have all sorts of biases, too, so don't, don't sweat. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I can I can say that I haven't seen a lot of games where Tom Brady's had three turnovers and he's won. Um, and I think that this game was made out to be, you know, Tom Brady's too old, Aaron Rodgers is at home, Tampa's a warm weather team going to play a cold weather team. And this was made to be the game that Aaron Rodgers took the next step. And this was supposed to be the Packers year. Um, and I think that, you know, you look back at the game and, and everyone was so wrong and, and how Aaron Rodgers, you know, just couldn't couldn't take that next step, you know, and one in four in the NFC championship games is really that's what his legacy is going to be defined as to this point. I think you have to look at it from that perspective. Um, and I think with, you know, his post-game comments, I think the biggest takeaway is that the Green Bay Packers are not a cohesive unit, not a cohesive organization. There's been a lot of turmoil the whole season with taking Jordan Love in the first round and how Aaron Rodgers was upset. And then how Matt LaFleur kicks the field goal at the end and Rodgers didn't like that, but then they can look at blame in both ways. Um, so I think it's going to be an interesting off season for them. And I think, when I, you know, was kind of breaking down what Aaron Rodgers was saying after the after the game, and how he said, you know, some people took it as he was contemplating con- contemplating retirement. Some people said he was looking for a trade. I think it was a it was a call out to the general manager to say, hey, you know, I I can't. I you guys draft you picked a quarterback. I need more help around me on both sides of the ball. So I think you're going to see the Green Bay Packers make a lot of upgrades. Um, on both sides of the ball this upcoming season. And it's it's going to be Aaron Rodgers, probably his last year in Green Bay if they can't get it done again. I don't think he's going to leave or request a trade, but I think that this upcoming season is big for both the franchise's future and his future. Okay. Oh, uh, and that, that leads into something that I, I wanted to bring up. We have an unprecedented amount of quarterback movement that's going to happen this offseason. Right. And if you listen to the rumor mill, we could be looking at a situation where we have Deshaun Watson playing in San Francisco and Aaron Rodgers playing in uh, in Los Angeles. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, <laughs> we would suddenly become the powerhouse division in football with four top quarterbacks playing, and that, that would be insane. But, I mean, if you look at everyone around the league that is moving on, you know, like I mentioned, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, probably less likely, but potentially with the drafting of Jordan Love. Um, you see Jared Goff might be moving on Matt Stafford demanding a trade Drew Brees retiring Philip Rivers retiring I mean I was looking at a, a, an article and it said something like 18 quarterbacks are expected to move this offseason I mean we're wow. going to see a completely di- different NFL by next year with 
with all of this happening. Well, and think about some of the other uh, trades of Seahawks. Uh, Chad Wheeler uh, is not a trade, but that's a big issue that we've been seeing with behind the scenes some uh problems with morality okay that happens right and you see a lot of these things in the off season then you have some of the coaching move arounds the seahawks you know i'm a seahawks fan look uh, they have hired shane waldron for their offensive coordinator there's uh other coaching staff issues uh, detroit lions mark burnell uh uh add add some uh, changes there. And so I'm just looking at this going, this is a crazy year, 2020. 2021 is looking to be a, a huge meshup of differing coaches bringing differing ideas. Josh mentioning differing quarterbacks that are doing the shift up to almost 20 of them. That's that's nuts. And then on top of it, what's it going to look like with COVID, Garrick? Well, <laughs> that's that's the whole X factor wrench, you know. Uh, I mean, it, it's almost as if the home field advantage has disappeared. I mean, there were home fans uh, there in Green Bay, but I mean, it, it's certainly not the same. I certainly it, it it affected the Seahawks, I would say, in in our final playoff game. But uh, yeah, I think so. But, I think it really did. That's an it factor for us that we've relied yeah. on for decades here in the Seattle area. I'm a Seattle girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's been a big deal, and everybody knows it. You know that the twelfth man is a thing. So as we look into this new year, I know before going into the Super Bowl, the Bucks and the Chiefs are COVID tested twice a day ahead of the Super Bowl. Um, the NFL um, this season did something like almost 100,000 tests, like 954,000 tests, um, $1 million spent, and they brag about no cancellations. So we have uh, we have players that set out. I mean, think of um, Malcolm Phrygian, who was a Browns lineman. His mom died of COVID back in March of last year, and he sat up out of the game. Uh, Sixty nine other NFL players did the same. What about college recruiting? I mean, there's a lot to take into consideration, guys, when we're looking at what's going to happen this next year with all of sports, but in particular. All of these things we mentioned, all of the normal shifting, a little bit out of the ordinary quarterbacking, boom, here we are in another weird year. How is it going to shape up? I am so excited to hear your guys' take on this. Well, it's going to test the stability of all organizations. General managers, presidents of football operations are going to earn their paycheck this coming season, and you're going to see a really – uh, competitive offseason. Deshaun Watson can't wait to get out of Houston. If he can't yeah. uh, jump the train next weekend, I think he will. Uh, he'll find another way. He really want. He really, really wants out. And this is a guy who just signed a massive extension with the Houston Texans, and they go get a sixty-five-year-old brand new head coach, David Culley, who has no previous to my understanding has no previous experience as a head coach. And at one point in time, the Houston Texans were uh, thinking of Josh McCown 
as being their head coach. And Michael, uh, that's a mess down in Houston. Yeah, I, w- I would 100% agree. And, and I think, you know, you look at all the candidates that they say they interviewed for Deshaun Watson and, and some of them they didn't, but clearly Eric Bieniemy was the guy that he wanted. And I think the situation became so tumultuous with ownership and with Deshaun Watson and, and with J.J. Watt and everything going on there that they probably had eight candidates and it was narrowed down to one because everyone said, I don't want to take this job, um, which is unbelievable when you think about it that you know people wait their whole lives in the ranks when they move up in all sports to get a head coaching position and for some people to to quote unquote turn down this job because of how you know in shambles this organization is is really telling um so Mm, yeah i I do agree with you rich i think you know by next week or in the next couple weeks we are going to see deshaun watson on a new team and i you know i wouldn't rule jacksonville out i think that's a, a sneaky spot for him um I don't know if that's in, was in Urban Meyer's you know head when he was thinking about taking that job, um, but if you're Jacksonville, you know people think Trevor Lawrence was the best prospect since Andrew Locker, since Peyton Manning, but he is going to be a rookie quarterback coming into a new system. If you get an established guy like Deshaun Watson, you put him on Jacksonville, it does kill your cap a little bit, but it gives the fans and that's a fan base that needs something to rally around. Um, so Deshaun Watson would be. I think great for Jacksonville, great uh, jumpstart for Urban Meyer and that crew. Um, but I think it's going to be a tremendous offseason. Um, and I do agree that, you know, the general managers and the owners are going to be making uh, going to be making their money this offseason because there's going to be a lot of change, um, a lot of revenue that's going to be need needed to be made for every team uh, due to no fans. And I'm, uh, I'm really excited for the offseason, the draft and and what the 2021 season will bring. You said yeah, that I the offseason was a big yeah, the off season is cr- uh, going to be a crazy season because we have the usual things that that switching around and the uh, this guy's fired, this guy's hired. Some of the problems of, of uh, people having domestic issues that make the the scene. All of those things play into the drama like a soap opera. So here we are. With a lot of other issues that we throw in, COVID included. So here we go, Brent. One of the, well, I think the big thing we haven't mentioned yet is the fact that the salary cap this next year is probably is going to be smaller. And so <clears throat> when those numbers come out, you could see a lot of veteran players getting cut loose and in many years would not have been. So hmm. you have all these other pieces moving already. I think the free agent market is going to be really interesting when you start seeing teams having to get down below those cat numbers and still wanting to have room to make other moves. So that you want to talk about having to earn their money when you have, they're going to have to earn their money and they're going to have less to work with than they've had in the past. I can just chime in quickly here. I I think you really see that in baseball right now with, you know, there Mm -hmm. are still so many players on the free agent market because no one knows what their value or their market is. And I think like baseball free agency opened like two months ago and no one had any idea. You know, you see in basketball and football as players getting signed right away. 
in baseball, it was, yeah, it was, you know, out of all sports to lose the most money, they were, they were up with that, probably the top. Um, so I think it's, that's just okay. a telltale sign of what and, you're and the difference. Think, the difference think about too MLS the, too, guys. The, MLS has yeah. the collective bargaining agreement that they're trying to hold off a little bit so that they can continue paying their players throughout the, the season. So it's, it's not just the NFL. Everybody's feeling it. Yeah, I think with the NFL, too, the fact that most of these contracts are not guaranteed, um, you know, the baseball they have a little more wiggle room, the the teams have more wiggle room just to cut guys. Um, and, you know, some of them will count for more cap space and others based upon guarantees that they had in their contract. But, you know, the guys other than top stars, most of them don't have that. So you might have a five year contract, but after one year, you're <laughs> you're cut loose and on the open market again, whereas baseball, you sign a $120 million contract, someone's paying that. So yeah, the free agent market has, has slowed to a crawl as far as people getting signed in baseball, but you don't have this flood of players that I think we might see in the NFL because of the way their contracts are structured. And that might be another way that the Seahawks hold on to Chris Carson. I know that he, uh, unfollowed the Seahawks and unfollowed Russell Wilson on his uh, Twitter account, but he See? may be making a return Drama. to town if <laughs> Soap the, <opera. laughs> uh, the salary cap, which I think Brent, if I look, remember right, looking at the, at the figures, I think they're going to settle on a $180 million uh, salary cap, which is well below what they've been operating at. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'd still like a chance that- to, to work with 180 million bucks right so (laughs) what was that josh closer to what Uh, there there was some reports uh that it's going to be closer to 188 million so hopefully that would be the case i think that would leave us with about around three million in cap space so does that mean josh that you and i are going to split the eight split the extra eight million yeah, you, know, like, you can have four and I'll have four. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Why not? I don't know. But if we look at uh, some of the decrease in revenue from fans in the stands, what are we really looking at for, for the future? I mean, come on, COVID has touched every industry. We were just talking yesterday about the entertainment industry and how it is drastically changed we're not going to see some of the big blockbuster multi-million dollar films that we've seen in the past that's hollywood here we are talking sports i don't think we're going to see a lot of difference we're going to see some big changes that's my opinion what do you guys think well already anheuser-busch you heard heard about that big announcement they're not advertising on the super bowl this year um, they have chosen. I love to... those commercials. Come on. I know, I know right? <laughs> Bud Light, yes. Regular Bud, no. <laughs> Seriously, that's the. <laughs> yeah, the Bud Light ads are, were awesome. Well, that, no, I'm saying though that some of their their non main brands are still they're still. Oh, they're still going to advertise. Yeah, they didn't back oh, out okay. all. They okay. didn't back oh, out all, or but they're yeah, they're main. Like, there's no Clydesdales. No Clydesdales this year. Yeah, okay. so Clydesdales are on a budget, and they're concerned. I mean, no uh, one wants shut. to see Clydesdales with uh, masks shut. on, right? Not enough feed for the horses this <laughs> this Clydesdales year, guys. Are getting vaccinated instead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got stuff going on. <laughs> no, I don't I'm, know. I'm interested to see if we actually see players kind of be willing to renegotiate contracts and, and lower it down a little bit because it's going to be hard for some of these teams to compete. I mean, like Bobby Wagner making the most out of any linebacker in the league 
and taking a huge hit out of our cap. And not to say that he's not necessarily worth it, but he's making a couple million more than he's the next it. guy. And if it. you can't cut that number down a little bit, it's going to be really hard to re-sign some of these guys you want and bring in the people that you need. It's sad, but I just think what is required there, Josh, is humility. And I, I don't see that happening. I mean, I think guys are going to hang on, especially if they're thinking. I mean, I would hope, I mean, in an ideal world that, that people would work together and say, okay, this is for the good of the team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a, a cut, but I, I'll look forward to seeing that day when we see it. Garrick, I think it's going to come down to some guys are going to have to decide, do I really want to play? Or do mm-hmm. I not? Because yeah. if the difference is nine million or eleven million, you're still getting nine million, guys. I know. Are you right? really gonna Are you really gonna sit out and and miss on nine million instead of eleven million? Are you really gonna make that kind of financial decision? Ooh. And every financial person that I've ever talked to uh, says those are kinds of you can make bad decisions, and that's an example of one of them. Uh, just like to go back to the Deshaun Watson thing for a minute. Let's say he decides to retire reading some of the things that could happen depending on his contract. The Houston Texans would get back nearly $22 million if Deshaun Watson sits out. So that's not even an option for him. So, so guys are going to have to learn a little bit of humility and some wise business sense at the same time. Okay, you mentioned money, and here's something kind of crazy. Thursday night, a better in Nevada placed a $2.3 million wager. Did you guys hear this? On the Bucks. They're kind of Is he related to Tom Brady? That's the first question (laughs) I have. Right? You know, I was recently in Vegas, and we had just talked about that, and I'm glad I went because now I have a connection with Michael, and he's pretty cool. I like that. I like having you here, Michael. Um, but you. the funny thing was that looking at the folks betting on sports, it was the loneliest place I had ever seen. You know, we were looking for a place to watch the game, and we're thinking, oh, yeah, we'll go to, we'll go and see if we can, you know, connect with other people watch they were everyone was six feet apart and their little chairs and you know it just seems so lonely and and vacant i really crave the way we used to get together you know in bars and restaurants and and commiserate with strangers celebrate with strangers we've kind of lost that and it's sad but can you imagine betting trends are going way way up more people are betting because we're trying to find a way to connect with sports but seriously 2.3 million dollar wager yeah i hear he was actually related to the refs for that game (laughs) or is he related to our good buddy uh boxer floyd mayweather who likes to drop a few coins on uh the next sporting event that's the other question or how do you know it wasn't one of us because we don't have that dough we don't get the the big bucks on this podcast yet maybe it was chris or tom (laughs) that's why they're not here this they went in on that bet (laughs) i like it so any thoughts as we move into the super bowl i know we're going to focus a little bit more on it next week but uh any any guys any guys have thoughts on uh any things surrounding the super bowl you can even touch on the puppy bowl which i know is one of josh's favorite things to Best event every year is the Puppy Bowl. Andy Reid's a better coach. Uh, My early line is Kansas City wins by 10 points. 
I think what's what's really cool about the game this year is there's just so many storylines around it. It's it's uh, it's the old Tom Brady, the, the old Tom Brady, I'll <laughs> well, it's finger quotes um, and, and the young up and coming Patrick Mahomes and, and, and two guys challenging for you know, what could be the the battle for the best quarterback um, to ever play, you know, at, at Patrick Mahomes rate. And I think, you know, this season with COVID and, and Tom Brady moving teams and Tampa being the first team to play a home Super Bowl. There's so many storylines around this game that make it so fascinating. And I think that make it so appealing uh, to the human, the human eye um, with COVID, you know, limited capacity. It's just, it's going to be a great game. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's going to be really tight. Um, I would, I would lean, I would lean Tampa Bay by a little bit, just, just because of the momentum they have coming into this game. And I think that they're, they're a healthy team. Um, and I, I kind of like, I like the the mantra. Um, and I like the attitude that that whole team has right now. So I'd lean Tampa slightly right now, but I'm looking forward to a great game. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's going to be a much more exciting game, I think, than had it been Buffalo and, uh, and Tampa. So. Okay. Halftime show. Josh, Josh was going to say something. Sorry, oh, go ahead. I'll say if, if Tampa Bay wants to have a chance at this, those, those big boys in the, on the defensive line are really going to have to step up like they did last Amen. week. I mean, there's yeah. no way that they win. His offensive line has played great. They've been a great offensive line. You froze, Josh. Good players that can show up in, uh, in you know, Vita Vea, Jason Pierre-Paul. They got some players there that can really show up for them. I and actually have a pause button. That's why. A... Well, Josh is just. I think all men should what... come with a pause Josh... button or mute. Josh is just simulating yeah, what that. might happen to the Tampa Bay offensive line in uh, Super Bowl. So uh, he was just giving us a preview there. It's unless like, they do their job. Tyree Kill, you look, he's in front of you, you blink, and he's behind you. And it's yeah. Just... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I I think yeah, I, I gotta go with Kansas City just because. Um no, I, I, I think one of the things that Tampa will have to deal with is the fact that Mahomes is slightly more mobile than Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers is is <laughs> good at avoiding the rush back there, but Mahomes is just different in yeah, and can we talk about how is he different? Let's just give a little kudos. Some of us live in the greater Seattle area. There was a man uh, back in the day who was a different kind of quarterback that opened the door <laughs> for that kind of maneuvering, that kind of a maybe smaller, agile, mobile kind of quarterback. Number 10. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, in fairness, there have been other guys in the past, but but Russell was kind of one that broke you know, broke, broke it into the mainstream. Yeah. Third round. I thought, pick. I thought Michelle you know, was talking about Jim Zorn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jim Zorn was that way. I mean, think of Randall Cunningham, yeah. you know, guys like that. Warren Moon. Warren Moon. I don't I remember him being quite the scrambler, but as much, but um, I think but he Mahomes, was for his time. Mahomes, Mahomes just, he as fuck physically takes what Russell Russell's gifts and puts him in just a, a bigger body. Um, I don't know how tall he is, Rich. Um, but he's one of the best. Like Kermit the Frog. So he's one of the yeah. best athletes on <laughs> oh! the field. Yeah. On the field. Period. Yeah, and some of the stuff he does, um, you know, the backhanded throws. I mean, Russell's great about throwing against, uh, uh, throwing, throwing against across the grain. The about yeah. th- throwing across his body. Uh, you know, and Mahomes can do that. But there's just some throws that Mahomes has made um, that 
take that just to an, another level. Uh, so just tell us, it, and Brady, you, you know, know, but Brady, I don't, but I, I, don't I, know I got about to, that though. Like, I got to say, I, hey, I'll let you go in just a second. The thing with Brady, I think I, I don't hate Brady. I kind of resent him. So I'll admit that. <laughs> but I, we've gotten to the point with the where the where the where the coverage is with Brady now, where he could go and throw for 90 yards and three interceptions and the game the coverage after the game will be about about brady winning his his seventh super bowl so yeah. um okay josh yeah i i i take a little exception to that because you watch the games of patrick mahomes and he's amazing talent and but they point out it's like i've never seen anyone throw a throw like that before look he he threw sidearm into the end zone on the edge and like i've seen russell wilson do that exact same throw like the exact same throw well like you it, know al michaels has a really short memory we gotta give we gotta short. let him yeah we gotta <laughs> let him have his have his moment uh one real quick stat about uh patrick mahomes showing how he is improved on the pro level 13 and 16 as a starter at Texas tech now 44 and nine as a starter in the NFL. Well, at Texas tech, he probably had a defense that gave up 56 points a game too. And that, well, that's because his head yeah. coach couldn't recruit any defensive players, but we won't get into that right, <laughs> that right now. Hey, I asked the question that that, that leads to something I asked a, a few minutes ago. What about college recruiting? You know, we have, this era of COVID again, and a lot of the lower you go down on the sports playing totem pole, the fewer games you had to showcase your talents. So where, where does that leave some of the recruiting practices for college ball? Michael? You know, I think it's, it's a hard concept to wrap your head around because you look at a program like Alabama and, and, you know, they played a full season and then you look at a team like, Ohio State, who had a completely COVID, you know, ravaged season, played seven games total, I believe, with with the or maybe eight with the national championship loss. And then you look at a program like Northwestern, who didn't have one positive COVID case the entire year, which is remarkable, you know, to to run an entire college football season and not have one case. So, you know, I think the way if I was an incoming recruit to look at this is is you have to look at, you know all factors. Am I going to play the most games on a national stage? You know, what, where's the TV coverage? Um, because you, who knows, you could have only six games, you could have 12 games, but it's, a, it only takes one game to get on ESPN to kind of get your name known. Um, okay. So I think, but take it down the level, take it down the level to the high school level. What about yeah. those kids looking to get a college scholarship, man, but, you know, we keep going down the levels down the totem pole. You have less opportunity. That's that sucks. I think this is one place that is, well, yet another place at the PAC 12 is going to, get flattened yet again because many of the top recruits in california oregon and washington are playing or played their high school seasons in other states and i don't remember the kid's name but he was signed with usc ended up playing his his uh high school season in georgia and is I think is he okay, going to Florida? Okay, great. Now? If I mean, you can do now. that. But now. but 
we talk often about how the NFL, how professional sports are a breakout point for a lot of kids out of impoverished area, that it's an equality. It's, it helps in, in, in equality because if you're the best, you're going to rise to the top. That doesn't happen if you don't get seen. If your parents can afford to move you to another district or another state to play, bully for you, but the rest of the kids don't get that opportunity. Michelle, it's going to come down to this. If you are a top 10 recruit in a sport or a top 100 recruit in a sport, it's not going to hurt you as much as the person who could be a white ship, what they call a white ship recruit or someone who is looking to have a great senior season after having a good junior season. If you are a top recruit in the nation, your name is already known, but it gives lesser people a chance, don't have the chance to make that name for themselves during their final senior season. That's what you're going to see. Yep. Okay. Okay. The Anyone else? Social media. Yeah, there you go. Well, that, that, there you go. Power of social media. Anyone else have thoughts on that? I disagree with Rich. I mean, you know, Damon Heward's son didn't have any trouble getting his, his UW scholarship, even though they haven't played a season yet. He, now he's like trying yep. to decide, is he going to play in the spring season or, or is he enrolled at UW? And that was kind of the choice he was faced with, but um, yeah, the, these guys that aren't known um, and maybe are, you know, stuck where they are, uh, it's going to be rough. And uh, it, like other sports landscapes, I think the college football landscape is going to ch- change because of that. Um, I don't know how, but but when you have guys, you know, moving across the country so they can get their, you know, get the seasons in and, and further tilt the recruiting wars to the southeast, um, that's not good for, for us out here. Yeah, well, but, and this is one more good reason that we're so excited that Larry Scott is no longer in charge. Of the amen. Like, amen. Like you mentioned, Michael, Michael I know it takes you're, one game you're... to be – it takes one game to be noticed and get on ESPN. Unfortunately, the Pac-12 has the inability to play games not at 3 a.m. Yeah, uh, or, or, or the one game that they play uh, Alabama at in Dallas and they just get rolled over, so it doesn't matter anyways. Right. Go ahead. Michelle, you were talking about kind of going down the rungs. I, I, I think it really is um, – when you look at the effects of the lockdown and the continued lockdown, even though scientifically and statistically, there's no evidence that it is dangerous for kids. And yet so many youth sports are, have been canceled. And so there's the mental health aspect that is, I think, completely not, it's hardly ever discussed. I mean, it's starting to get more attention, but that's a huge issue in terms of, kids not being able to to be able to play rec sports high school sports i mean all those things it's, it, it it has a huge impact that that we we won't even know about Dude, it for, has a huge impact years. on me i'm not able to you go out and play some sports garrick but you know i, I have I last cut night. a lot of the things that i've been able to do and that means less chocolate for me because if i want to you know stay the the same size <laughs> that I, yeah <laughs> and that's just you know that's too much of a sacrifice for a human to have to make i just want to say that right there thank you very Chocolate's- much Chocolate is its own food group, right, Michelle? <laughs> yeah, vitamin C, new whole kind of vitamin CH, I guess you could say. One thing that I did mention before, too, uh, where COVID has affected the MLS with the collective bargaining agreement. So um, 
looking at how we play players. We talked about it with the NFL and salary caps. And, and man, we're, we don't have a lot of fans in the stands unless you're uh, Florida, which I think Florida's going to come out of COVID smelling like a rose. Come on. They're even talking about, uh, incidentally, offering to host the Olympics if Tokyo doesn't. Come on, Florida. Jeez. I think we should, if we're sports fans, we're all going to move to Florida just so we can get our sports fix. Come on. Well, I mean, they're, they're completely open and their, their COVID rates are no worse than California and which is completely shut down. Yeah. Anyway. Awkward. (laughs) Yeah. Washington, Washington, Oregon, and California are the only three States remaining that don't have their, uh, High school sports running at this point in time. And I'm not going to, I'm not trying to be political. I can tell you, Michigan is, Michigan's in a big war about that right now, too, because they, they? they're, yeah, they're, they're students and superintendents and coaches associations are taking their governor to court over having shut down. They got their, they got their fall sports season in and finished in January. um, And they've held off on basketball and wrestling for now, but. All right. it, it's it's there's no rhyme or reason though to so as long to, as we're talking about youth sports and we're talking about uh, high school sports i want to bring up a face-off topic and that is that our president has made a decision that um transgender kids have to be recognized in public school settings right So that does mean that a biological male who identifies as a female can compete in female sports. And the concern that women have since sports opportunities are much limited in comparison to men is that that will take away some of the scholarship opportunities. So I want to get your thoughts on this, guys. Let's face off. Wait, I need a soundbite on this. Where is our face off sound? Come on. It doesn't like me. Sorry about that. It's the My Michelle Live Pod. That's not what she wanted. It's it's one of those days. <laughs> it's, just, it's like it's like rooting a, for my favorite team. It's we'll, not we'll gonna ring work. The bell. <laughs> <Ding>. <laughs> All right. Let's just face off. Let's just do it. What do you guys think? Disrespect to Title IX, disrespect to female athletes everywhere, uh, plain and simple. Um, this is not a political issue. It's being turned into a political issue. I'm just going to flat out say it. No respect to legitimate female athletes. Okay. Yeah, it's it. It was really interesting to me this week that one of the people who came out against this was Renee Richards, who was the first transgender athlete. Um, and she said that um, participation in sports, especially at the pro level, probably below that as well that that she said i even though i did it i i believe that if i had been younger when i did this it would have been an unfair advantage um against the women that i was playing against there's just two there's things that you can't undo um with surgery and hormones so i changed dna folks yeah michael what are your thoughts yeah go ahead yeah i i think um i agree with rich and i think it's 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 definitely a topic that had to be addressed and and you know what that what the decision was is is what the decision is going to be um so you know we kind of just have to live with that um but you know there there is a big you know issue over you know um 
where you know people identify uh in gender and, and what uh gender sports they are allowed to play um and i i just i completely you know agree with everything rich said and, and i think it has more of an impact at the college level than it does at a professional level um because i think there's a lot more opportunity um at the college level with so many different options ranging from track to to tennis to to women's basketball um and then at the professional level you kind of dwindle it down a little bit so i think you're going to see more more of an impact at that level um and some issues that will be as a result of uh women's college athletics but um i you know i'm interested to see how the next couple of years uh play out um as a result of this uh decision yeah i mean Josh? to me it's it's bad news because it's not it, it's dangerous in a lot of ways you know because you have kids that are taking like hormones and stuff that if like if there is a female that took those playing female sports, it would be illegal for her to take those. But then the transgender person is taking those or doing that as part of their transition that will enhance them, you know, like that will enhance their ability. It would be illegal for other athletes to take. And in general, we've seen a lot of cases where it is a male transitioning to female playing those female sports and they're just bigger and they dominate them. And it's, you've seen a lot of female athletes come out against it. Like, you know, how am I supposed to compete against this? This is like, it's like a heavyweight getting to fight a lightweight in a lot of ways. Oh, you remember I'm worried about some of the danger that we'll see from, from danger. This has already happened. Do you remember it was Fallon Fox? Wasn't it the MMA fighter that broke the skull of, their opponent you know this this guy who has transgendered to a woman still has all the guy uh strength and breaks their opponent's skull now this isn't you know just some uh you know i just got out of knitting class chick they were fighting against another professional fighter i mean someone who is bad to the bone so Mm -hmm. this is a come on dangerous yeah it is kind of dangerous and there are fewer opportunities that have been hard fought from women you know i I, with uh, me being a a reporter in sports i've had to fight against wow it's weird you being here or, or or even having played sports, uh, going into a junior hockey uh, s- sports setting where there was a presser and a guy saying, you know, I find some of your questions have a certain naivete towards hockey. I'm like, really? Is that because I, you know, I wear a bra? Because that's the only difference I can tell with my questions. It's happened. We've had to fight hard for our positions. We've had to fight hard for recognition. And there are fewer and fewer opportunities, even though the the industry is growing so to take those away just really isn't fair so what's the solution what do we do with folks who are dealing with transgender issues well i i really feel that we need to make sure that we separate out what what issues are at play here okay mm-hmm. because um much of what has been argued as for why why the president did this um in terms of signing the executive order was because of fairness and equality and here's where I, I feel like for our faith, we, we need to stand up and we need to treat people with respect. We need to treat people with dignity. We need to treat people even And that if, includes transgender people. Absolutely, please. 100%. Uh, and, and that's my point. However, I also think we need to separate out that issue with this whole competitive sports issue. Now, I actually had a conversation with my sister this morning. We were talking about this issue, and we don't agree a lot on politics, but we and, – and we were talking about, you know, when you 
going down the rungs of the ladder. I, I play co-ed soccer. Okay. And so this is, is this, how are you, how are you going to factor this in as well? And so <clears throat> I think that when it comes to collegiate sports, uh, intercollegiate athletics and professional levels, and maybe as someone mentioned earlier, maybe less so at the professional level, but at least at the collegiate level, you need to, you need to play based on what you were born because that's the only way that it can be objectively fair. Because if not, uh, you know, as Rich pointed out, if you're taking the same steroids and you're biologically a woman, I mean, that th that one of your competitors is taking, you would be thrown out of the game. And yet now you're somehow allowed to, it, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, th This was more about scoring political points than actually treating people, treating people fairly. And like you said, Garrick, this is mixing two issues into one, not and not fully addressing either one. Yes, that's what come. That's what happens when man decides, hey, I'm smarter than the guy that built the car. And <laughs> come up with we can come up with a, a better set of rules. That's and, what this is. And I got to say, like, th th like you mentioned, this is they're turning it into a political fight in a lot of ways and something like this. This isn't about not respecting transgender people. This isn't about not believing they exist. Like that, that's not what this is. And that's what it's turned into in a lot of debates and arguments that you see about this topic. That's not what it is. Like, like I mentioned, it's unsafe and it's unfair to, to the women that are natural born women. Like if you're born a man, you feel like you're a woman. It's not that I don't believe you exist or don't believe that you should have the right to do what you want to do. But like, this is, it's just, it's not right and fair to the other people in this scenario. And I'm sorry that you're going through that kind of a situation. And I feel for you and I do, but that doesn't give you the right to have free reign and just do whatever you want to do just because right? Like just because I want to play in this woman's league, I get to, because I feel like I should have been a woman. Look, like, I'm sorry, I've not identify as an NFL quarterback, but there has not been a single NFL team that will take that argument that I believe that I belong there. So, and it's for my own good, actually, really. But... <laughs> if they invited you, you would try. Oh but yeah. If you can, you got yeah, it. If, you got it. If you can, if you can imagine if, if LeBron James decided he identified as a woman and switched to the WNBA, what do you think would happen? This I mean, wouldn't be an issue. This right. would, <laughs> would be over in it would be over in thirty guys, seconds. Why don't why don't men or guys who identify as women why don't they feel comfortable playing then on a male team because you know i don't mind playing co-ed i have no problem with that softball whatever soccer i don't play well in soccer love volleyball i love co-ed volleyball i don't have a problem with that so what what would be wrong with that absolutely nothing in it why don't and we consider that's that? why i think some of, that's why i think well if you've gone through the transition ahead, though and you are taking female hormones then you're not going to be able to compete on the same level because it does change your physiology it doesn't change your genetic makeup but it does change your physiology uh, not so, your strength wise 
not strength wise it doesn't well, it, it does diminish your strength over time i think that there's that there's enough studies that say that 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 might That's be true. arguably true it, that, it might but there be are arguable. some studies yeah. well, that say a, not so much so there's a difference between diminishing it and taking it to the level of true. natural born women too right so you're probably stuck it may, I don't know really what I'm talking about here, but I'm guessing you're probably stuck somewhere in between. All right, then we right. have transgender right. sports. Yeah, I, we have I, a transgender I, I, team. There's a lot of, uh, there's going to be a lot of questions of what what the guidelines are now everywhere, right? Like right. if I, you know, if, like like we just use the example of LeBron James, tomorrow says I'd like to identify as a, as a female. Is he eligible to now play in the WNBA? Or does I know there's a lot of teams who would say, years? come on. There, there's a, you know, what happens? <laughs> are if, we sure about that? Are we, I mean, are we really sure about that? About what? With the, with the WNBA welcome LeBron, LeBron James, or would Sue Bird immediately. That's a good question. Would Sue Bird welcome that? Is you have, you don't know Hmm. where that, what the standard is and what, what the guidelines are. And um, I think it's, we're going to come down to a, a point down the line where you know we could have a new leading score at the at the women's collegiate level and is that going to be you know stood as are you you know the the top um the top leading score as a as a you know transgender female um and it, that could happen so there's a, just a lot of ethical uh questions that you know you're gonna have to consider um down the line as a result so now i think the other thing that this brings up michael you tell me being in being in sports management, we could see something go the other way because we've had this as far as uh, male track and field athletes want to participate in female track and field as a female, but they weren't as good in male sports. So you have people transitioning because man, that could give me a scholarship. Come on. You want to be in female sports and say, Hey, I can uh, I can be real successful here if I transition. I mean, yeah. let's not fool ourselves here. And it it's, is not uh, a requirement of uh, having. Forgive me, I'll I'll try to say this gently of having anything cut off or to be so far down the road. Uh, what the what some of the concern is is that I identify. I can still have a full male body. I may not have taken a single repressive kind of medication, but this is how I identify. You know, how far do we go? It's, you know, you know, like Rich said, and, and he kind of posed, posed the question in, uh, in my direction here, but it's, it's really hard. It's the way, the way the human mind is built is we always look for a competitive edge in, in areas and, you know, where, where can we gain the most ground and, and how can we be superior among our peers? Um, so I think that's why, you know, I, for example, my birthday is young for my grade. So I always played with kids that were sometimes 13 months older than me playing on the same court um, in basketball, baseball, whatever that was. So there would be some, years where I would say I would play down a year because then I would be the kid that was 13 months older than, than, and I would be kind of the, the leader in age wise. And I typically ended up being the better one on the field. And when I was playing with the, with my grade, but I was the youngest and on the field, I ended up not, you know, playing to my best potential because there was just, it's just an, it's an age thing. So it, I look, I kind of compare it to that a little bit of, of where I found the competitive edge. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what, I need a 
pick back here. So let me go play in the, in the, in the league below. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a really hard thing to kind of wrap your head around it. And it, I think it's going to take some time for everyone to, to formulate an opinion and, and see how they feel. And we need to see it in action to really, to really give our, our true uh, feel and thought on it. Um, but you know, I can leave it you know, to you guys to, to finish off to anything more you might have on it. Anything else, guys? Because it is about time for us to take our final shot. All right, this is where we go around the table and give a shout out, a thought, a quickie. We're going to start with Garrick. No, don't start with me. I haven't decided We're going to start with Rich. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you, Michelle. Seattle Kraken, do it again. Make some headlines. July 21st is the expansion draft, only six months away. John Forslund, their new TV broadcaster. They've inked a deal with Root Sports for 75 games that first go. season. Yeah. You know, Root which Sports. means cord cutters can't watch them. <laughs> They're going to be competing with Mariners because it's Root Sports is like Mariners oh, all the time. Yeah. Joshua McMillan sports us up with our your final shot. Yeah, I'm just I'm just going to go back to the Mariners again. I am so excited for this team in the next couple of years. I mean, we're looking at like we had rookie of the year Kyle Lewis, right? And this next year we're we're probably going to see Jared Kelnick come up and we could have rookie of the year Jared Kelnick. And then the year after that Julio Rodriguez. You know, these are two of the best prospects mm -hmm. in baseball. And I'm not saying it's going to happen and knock on wood, but we could have three years in the row of rookies in the year playing in the outfield for the Mariners. And that's an exciting prospect to me. And, you know, we have guys like Mitch Hanniger who's going to come back this year and, you know, rebuild some of that value. And I'm going to be interested to see if they continue to see him as a, a building piece moving forward, or if after he builds back some of his value, if they trade him out, we also have Tremel sitting back in, in, in there too. So if Tremel can come up, uh, maybe he's another trade prospect or maybe he, you know, we trade one of the other guys, but we have an embarrassment of wealth at the outfield position right now. And I'm really excited to see how that pans out in the next couple of years here. Brent Baker. Yeah. His secondary shout out to Mitch Hanniger coming back from like the worst baseball injury ever. Oh. Talk about that. <laughs> nope. Talk about blow the belt, man. But, nope. but yeah, that was horrible. Anyway. Um, so I, I'm see as we were on here, it just came out that uh, the old, I think he was 89 years old, uh, former Temple basketball coach, John Chaney passed away. Mm -hmm. um, and he, uh, I just shout out to him because I know he was like what a defensive innovator, especially with zone defenses. Um, one of the, you know, along with Gonzaga, is one of like the first mid-major programs to consistently make a splash in the NCAA tournament every year with him there. So, so he's, he's another big name that we've lost in this last year, but um, he's a guy that made a big impact in college basketball. Okay. Uh, let's go to Michael. I think uh shout out Ron Rivera, um, officially cancer free today. Uh, he's yeah. been yeah. Yeah, yeah. in an unbelievable battle this past season with uh, coaching through um, all the diversity on that team and, and uh, really, you know, battling for not only the city, uh, but, you know, for the entire country and, and everyone rallying and uh, supporting him. So uh, shout out Ron Rivera, cancer free. And uh, also a little shout out to, uh, to one of my uh, good friends back home, Tim Farley, who made this happen for me uh, today and, and putting himself out there in Las Vegas and, uh, and giving me this chance. Uh, so 
thank you all for having me. It's been it's been a great last hour. Absolutely. Been, been I'm going to I'm going to go because Garrick, we're going to give you oh, just another minute to be ready. But ready. just me I'm real ready. quick, me real quick. Um, I want to give a shout out to guys who take it to a deeper level. We like to take it to uh, the God story because the, the question on my Michelle live is if there's a God, can we see signs of him? And what does he ask of us? And it's always a deeper story. It's always a better story. And it's always a story of hope that that kind of it factor sometimes in sports that puts you over the top and takes you through difficult times so uh there's a couple of guys that put their foot to the field in football and that's the bucks punter and kicker who both like to say a little quick prayer before they kick the ball and i you know it's just those quiet ways of living out your faith it's not necessarily in your face calling you names or you know uh, hitting you over the head with the bible but just quick and cool ways that we people who believe in God find ways to live out our faith in quiet but powerful ways. There you go. Shout out. Final shot and Garrick Payne. Bring us home. Paying us. All right. Well, I know the guys are probably going to give me a hard time about this and think that I'm like kissing up to Michelle or something, but uh, but I, I'm going to give my final shot to Michelle because I don't know that we've ever done that. On, You're kissing on up, Garrick. Yeah. <laughs> But in all seriousness, I mean, Michelle has talked about people who have weathered a lot recently. I mean, this transition from live radio to doing a podcast, I mean, courageous and some of the topics that she's addressing. I mean, she she looks for those of you who haven't tuned into the rest of her show. Uh, I mean, she talks about science. She she was talking about covid this week. She's going to be doing a special segment on homelessness, which I, I want you guys to tune in because that's going to be just outstanding. But and she's been a, a glass ceiling breaker, you know, in terms of being a sports reporter and all these things. And she's willing to hang out with a bunch of really crazy, weird guys to uh, to do this sports show. So um, my shout out final shot, I think, appropriately ending our show today uh, to Michelle Mendoza. Oh my God! Hey man, so all sweet. Of that. Yes. Yeah, yes, I love yeah. you guys, my brothers. Well, if you have enjoyed the program today as much as we have, like it, share it, tell your friends, because we like to get deeper to a God story, and we're in a place in our history where the world seems to fall apart. We're not sure what's going on. We need something to ground us. We need some hope. So we like sharing that with you in our sports timeout. So you can go to my Michelle Live dot com to hear all of our shows and you can also go to brent r baker because his book is coming out soon how cool Very is soon. that yeah tell us about that available real quick. for pre-sale now so oh oh it is all right yes. well yes. i like it all right yeah it's it's so, only 3.99 for kindle right now whereas it'll be 10 bucks um when it when it's released so. it's gonna go up to 5.99 on the first and then Ooh. it'll be all right. Uh oh, get that You've discount. Three days, three days <laughs> to get I out like there it. and get yeah. that. Hey Kindle. guys, thanks so much for being with us today. <laughs>